Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. Just getting underway in Nashville. Connor McDavid, of course, expected to win the Hart Trophy for the third time in his career. He won it in 2017 and 2021. Stuart Skinner up for the Calder. Darnell Nurse up for the King Clancy. Uh, of course, uh, McDavid also nominated for the Ted Lindsay Award. Should win that as well. So uh, we'll keep you updated as the awards come down tonight from Nashville. We will uh, talk about uh, the draft, which is coming up as well. That starts uh, Wednesday and then concludes on Thursday. And we will have plenty of chatter about yet another disappointing outing for your Edmonton Elks as the awards uh, start off with Connor McDavid, the newly engaged Connor McDavid, winning the Ted Lindsay Award Most Outstanding Player as voted on by the members of the Players Association. McDavid on earlier today. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer talked about being at the awards with Skinner and Nurse. Yeah, really, really special to uh, to, spend, to spend, you know to to be here with teammates. Um, you know, it means uh, it means you know even more. So um, it's great to see those guys. Obviously, I train with Mercy every day, so I see him plenty. Um, you know, but to see Stu and um, you know we was with Stu earlier this year, his first All Star game, and um, you know it's it's special to to share those moments together as teammates and and uh, and good buddies. All right, so McDavid giving his acceptance, uh, acceptance speech for the Lindsay right now. And uh, again, we'll keep you updated on the awards as we move through Inside Sports tonight. Stuart Skinner had this to say about his Calder nomination and his season. I was actually talking to my wife the other day about it, kind of how we're going to Nashville. we got to go to the NHL awards. And, um, you know, everything that came uh, came my way was, you know, it's it's just, just very honored. Um, you know, very, uh, very grateful that I was able to be in the situation that I'm in. And um, looking back on the season, it's it's uh, it's awesome, everything that happened. and um, But it's also very motivating because I want to be even just so much better than I was last year, right? So I want to be able to get to the same spots that I am, you know, right now. I want to be able to come to an event like this again, and um, I want to be able to, you know, at the end of the day, you want to lift the cup, right? So um, there's a lot of lessons learned this season, a lot of lessons learned uh, in the playoffs, and uh, I'm, ex- I'm excited to get to work in the, in the summer here. All right, a little bit there from Stuart Skinner. So the Oilers here prepping for the week ahead and it it appears that there will be more Oilers news perhaps starting on Saturday and into free agency you know the situation with the draft barring some sort of uh, major wheeling and dealing they're only going to have three picks they pick 56th overall that's in the second round 184th overall that's in the sixth round and then in the seventh round 216th so at the moment Barring any trades, the Oilers with just three selections in this year's draft. And who knows, they could even trade one of those away and try to get another one for next year. Lots of combinations there, uh, but something to keep an eye on. Free agency Saturday, we've talked about Connor Brown on the show. It kind of feels, I guess you can't say anything for sure quite yet, but he would certainly be the leading candidate to sign with the Oilers during free agency. Of course, a forward, formerly a McDavid teammate when they played junior in Erie together, had the injury last season with the Capitals, only played four games. Uh, But 
probably he'd be a good addition to the Oilers lineup to give them another option in the top six. Somebody texted into the show last week and asked about Scott Mayfield, the defenseman with the New York Islanders. So, you know, a lot of names bouncing around and perhaps to remember. But uh, Ken Hall, the GM of the team, has some of his own players to consider. Matthias Yadmark and Nick Bukestad are both unrestricted free agents. Holland said he was on Bob's show as well earlier today. Holland said that he's going to talk to uh, their agents this week in Nashville. You have restricted free agents like Ryan McLeod and Evan Bouchard likely to get, uh, you know, probably two-year deals and then longer ones in a couple of years when the salary cap uh, goes up and you can afford to pay them a little bit more. And then you have Clem Costin. Now, the thing with uh, Clem Costin, who had some nice bursts for Edmonton last year, certainly made an impact, made a big impact in a couple of playoff games. I, I guess you could say perhaps inconsistency, one of his issues, and there were times uh, when Jay Woodcroft shortened the bench, it was often Costin, the guy who wound up playing, you know, sometimes only four or five, six minutes in, in a game, even in the playoffs. And Ken Holland said to Stoff earlier today, he's not sure Costin will be back. I do know that he's got options outside the National Hockey League, and it's 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 it's, it's obviously going to be a challenge. So uh, um, there's no there's no way I'm going to be able to bring bring our, our, our entire bottom part of our roster back uh, for for cap reasons, and we, we got to make decisions on which ones we want to keep. I like Clem. Um, you know, he he he, um, he got ten goals, ten eleven goals. He can he can fight. I thought he hit real hard, you know, physical. Um, so we'll. I'll, I'll see. It's been uh, we've had lots of lots of t- 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 conversations. Uh, Paul Theophanis and I um, were quite a ways apart, um, so we'll see. Okay, so that is a little bit there from Ken Holland, and uh, we'll drop in more of his comments as we move along tonight. You can also get a story summarizing his appearance on uh, Oilers Now by going to the 630Ched website or globalnews.ca. And if you just missed it off the top of the show, awards underway in Nashville, and Connor McDavid has won the Ted Lindsay, the most outstanding player in the NHL, as voted on by his fellow players. And uh, that's the fourth time he gets that award, won it in 17, 18, and 21. And he's trying to win the heart for the third time tonight. Okay, so turning my attention now to the uh, other team whose games are broadcast live on 630 Ched, and that is the Edmonton Elks. Where to begin? Uh, this is this is probably going to be a much more negative segment than you're used to hearing from me, even when one of our teams is doing poorly. That was a completely deflating experience yesterday watching that game. And I, I guess the, the main thing is, and look, I, I thought the Elks would be better than last year. I, I thought they had more talent. Certainly there were question marks. Uh, and, and I suppose if, if you're a, a half-full type of person, it is only three games into the season. Having said that, for me, the, the Elks look worse than they did last year. And, and they were pretty lousy last year going 4-14. Four and 14, And they were totally outclassed by the uh, by the top teams in the league. I mean, they did scratch out four wins against other teams who, for the most part, weren't very good. Um, it was... Now, having said that, the first 20 minutes of the game, it appeared like, okay, I, it might be settling in here for a, for a decent... Uh, 
late afternoon, early evening of, of, of football. I mean, Purefoy got the interception. The Elks were up 14-7. There was a little bit of punch, counterpunch in the game. I mean, Edmonton had a, re- a nice return and a touchdown drive. They stopped Toronto a couple times. Then Toronto put together a drive. It kind of looked like a normal competitive football game. And then after that, it, it just got out of control. Yes, Toronto was only up a point at halftime. Um, Edmonton had, a you know, to be fair, a decent drive at the end of the half to get a field goal. But without that Purifoy pick, it would have already been slipping away, and then it did entirely in the third quarter. Uh, like, where do you want to begin? You know, a, a sack that, that turns into a penalty. A, a, a block punt. Loxley comes in for a play, fumbles the ball. Ty Loxley was released today. So uh, a week ago, I was thinking maybe Loxley should start the game. Now he's not even on the roster anymore. And uh, I, I didn't see much of it from my vantage point, but, uh, you know, talking to some of my uh, broadcast partners, you know, Dave Campbell, Morley Scott here at 630 Chet, Loxley, you know, separated himself from his teammates after that play, didn't seem very interested in, in being, you know, consoled or talked to by, by his teammates didn't go back on the field for a quarterback sneak. You know, Daigie ran off the field and then ran back on, and of course they got stuffed because the Elks are quite poor in short yardage. Uh, So Loxley's released. So I I think it's very likely that Jarrett Daigie starts the game in Ottawa on Friday. That one's on 6.30, Chad, with the countdown to kickoff at 4, and the game will start at 5.30. I guess what else do you do at this point? And again, it's not all quarterback play, but Cornelius was not sharp enough. Daigie made some good throws through a terrible pick six and did get a lucky break on the long bomb at the end of the game, which was, you know, a window dressing touchdown. But he, I, I thought he made some really nice throws and showed some uh, ability to escape the pass rush, kind of spun away a couple times from guys in that play down by the goal line in the fourth quarter. I guess he's the best option, or maybe he's just the most exciting option, or maybe he's just the option that might inspire the most confidence in his teammates. Here's what Daigie said on the points after show when asked what he wanted to do coming into the game. Yeah, I was just trying to bring a spark to the team. Whatever I could do to get these guys to rally a little bit and finish competing and not lay down, and, and that's what we did. We just, I'm glad we didn't give up and we just kept competing. You seem to have that uh, that really that fighting spirit. Like you, you didn't let any plays die. It seemed, and that resulted in some big plays. Yeah, just trying to make the most of opportunity. Um, just leaving it all out there, um, so maybe I get another chance. How important was a good finish to this game, even though you didn't win it? How important is a good finish going into in the next? Next week, a short week in the game in Ottawa. Yeah, I think it's important that we didn't give up. You got a bunch of good dudes in this locker room. I know we're 0-3, but we didn't quit, um, and that's a good sign. It's very important to to move on to Ottawa. You know, not every quarterback can do what you did tonight, and that is uh, after you throw a, a tough interception that led uh, that was a pick six. You came back out and you led you led the team down the field. Uh, how, how are you able to do that? Is it that something you've always incorporated in your game? Yeah, I think it's, it's taught by my dad. Uh, he's a football coach. And he's kind of taught me, you know, being a quarterback, you have the next mentality, uh, next play mentality. Um, and I've played a lot of football, played a lot of college football. I know that but it doesn't mean anything, but I played a lot of football. Um, so, you know, it's not my, my first rodeo. All right. So, I, I, again, I guess that's the guy somewhat by default. You know, he, he did play well in the preseason against Calgary. Yesterday looked fine. Um, 
a situation in which Toronto is not act, uh, you know, I mean, um, teams always try, but let's face it, game planning and schemes change when you're up 20 points or 25, whatever the Argos got up when he was in the game. Uh, but just maybe his uh, attitude and the fact that Cornelius hasn't looked like a very confident player, I, I suppose at this point you're going with Jarrett Dagey and, and see what he can do against Ottawa, who aren't very good either. Um but, you know, if you've probably seen some of the power rankings, the Elks are last in pretty much everybody's mind, even though, you know, Ottawa and Hamilton don't have any wins either. I'm not going to talk too much about the home losing streak. We know it's there. As I've said before, it's not just home field that th- that is the problem. I will again go back until uh, to the midway point of the 2019 season, which is for me when it really started to slide. That's 44 regular season games. The Elks are now 9-35 and 35 in those games. So I don't care if the game is home, away, or on one of the moons of Neptune. See, I'm not even sure how many moons Neptune has. Maybe there's an astrologist out there who can... Is it astrologist or astronomer? No, astrologists are the Zodiac people. Astronomer, who can tell me. Well, astrologists may be able to help the Elks as well. Who knows? Uh, so, I, I, you know, regardless of where the Elks win, they just need to win a game. And... I guess this is the part of the show where I'm probably going to be much more negative than what I would usually be, but there are 15 games left. Who do they beat? They play BC twice, unwinnable. They play Winnipeg three times, unwinnable. They play Toronto again, unwinnable. They play Saskatchewan twice and Calgary twice each. Okay, maybe. Ottawa twice, maybe. Hamilton twice, maybe. Montreal, probably not. So... Eight of the remaining 15 games they might have a chance in. How many of those do they win? And and the the sad part here, I mean, I, I was in the stands. You, you folks have watched the games. It's, it's just, it, it's difficult to watch because even when something good happens, then something bad happens. You know, it looks like they've sacked Chad Kelly. He gets away and throws a touchdown pass. Ceresna sacks him. He's called for a horse collar. They have them second and 12. A.C. Leonard, who hasn't been that good, takes an offside penalty. It's second and seven. Toronto converts that. They probably wouldn't have converted the second and 12. Eugene Lewis, who, granted, has not had the ball thrown to his way enough, gets to the one-inch line and fumbles. He's been identified as the second best player in the league on the TSN's, on TSN's preseason top 50. You've got to score, even if it's a game that you're probably going to lose anyway. I, I mean, it's just over and over. Uh, things happen. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost comical at this point, but it isn't. It's, it's more painful than comical. Uh, Jed Roberts, who was recognized yesterday on the field as part of the 93 team, is going to join me a little bit later on. Time for your feedback as well. If you want to weigh in, 780-496-0063 is the hotline presented by Certainty, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. Certainty Pro all the way. You can email inside sports at 630ched.com. Get me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Back in a couple of minutes. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. So Connor McDavid 
Kings won the Ted Lindsay Award. Anze Kopitar of the Kings has just won the Lady Bing. We'll keep you updated as they hand out the awards in Nashville. 780-496-0063. Kellen, before we uh, go to the phone lines, mm-hmm. give me something that you have. All right. Well, angry Andy texts in, and he is quite angry here on a text line. He says, there should have been bloodshed today. I get that they can't fire Jones, but what about the offensive line coach or the offensive coordinator? The fans want to feel like the weakness of the team are being recognized and dealt with. That is from Angry Andy. Yeah, that's an understandable comment. Um you know, Steven Sorrells is the offensive line coach who was the Riders' offensive line coach last season. And if you watch Saskatchewan play last year, that a pretty lousy offensive line. Now, is that all on the coach? Probably not, but I guess it makes you wonder when you see it a couple of years in a row. Uh, Steven McAdoo's the offensive coordinator. Uh, I'm sure you know how I feel about him. I don't think he's going anywhere. He's very tightly linked to Chris Jones. Just quickly here, you may have seen this in in April. Justin Dunk wrote an article on Three Down Nation, uh, and he uh, he reported that Chris Jones, while he has a four-year contract, it's actually a rolling one-year contract for four years. Because one of the concerns about, well, could you get rid of Jones? Well, yes, but then you have him against the coach's cap for however long he's not coaching. But the Elks have an out at the conclusion of each year of the contract. So if this year was a disaster, they could dismiss Jones and not uh, and not owe him uh, you know, two years worth worth of money that that would count against their coach's cap. I did confirm that with uh, with a source with the team earlier today. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Rick is on the line. Hi, Rick. Hi, Rick. Hi, Rick. Are uh, you Rick. there? Uh, well, this is Randy. If that's... Oh, my apologies. I thought I had Rick. Oh, okay. I'm sloppy uh, like the Elks are. <laughs> uh, my my question for you is, uh, you know, the Elks finished, I believe, four and fourteen last year. Correct. And uh, so, what's a realistic expectation for this year as far as? number of wins and what would you consider a successful season is it another four wins or is it making the playoffs and what what are the consequences if that doesn't happen yeah well before the season and i probably said this on this show i i would have been thrilled if they could have flirted with 500 and then maybe you make the playoffs even if you get to eight wins you might make the playoffs in third place or in a crossover uh you know, certainly you'd, you'd hope they. I would have hoped they could have got to at least six or seven. They don't, as I said earlier, they don't appear good enough to do that. Honestly, Randy, I don't know what the consequences are. Like, I guess we got to let it play out. If they're like, if they're two and sixteen, and quite frankly, they could be. I don't know. Then, then maybe, maybe that's maybe that would be it for Jones. Maybe you say, okay, you could you couldn't turn it around. Like I, I don't know. Like if they somehow get up to seven wins and play more exciting, dangerous football, then maybe you might say, you know, okay, they 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 took some strides and they were a pain to play against. But they they are they are a pretty easy out for teams right now. Yeah. True. Um, like what, what 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 would you do if it's a three win season? <laughs> I, I I think you would have to get rid of the coach, which is also your manager. So I guess both go, and uh, you're starting over again, which is unfortunate. Very unfortunate. I don't know who you, 
yeah, I don't know who you, who you find as a replacement because who would want to take that project on? Well, and that's another thing, and, and maybe this is a topic we'll do another day about the league in general. I think the quality of play in the CFL has suffered because of the quarterbacks in the league. There just aren't as many good quarterbacks as there used to be. And who's the next up-and-coming coach? Or who's the next Mike O'Shea? Like maybe that Phillips in BC? I don't know, maybe. But how many... That's an exciting team to watch, so, uh, you know, maybe that could help. All right. Thanks, Randy. Sorry I got your name wrong. That is Randy, 780-496-0063. Again, I I know I have a negative tone, but after the first three games and after last season and after the year before that and after the second half of 2019, man, oh, man, been beaten down a little bit, haven't we? We will uh, get some thoughts from Jed Roberts. He's always uh, informative, of course, used to play for the team, and uh, I know he tries to always have something positive to say. We'll see what he can muster up tonight. 911.